the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Thursday, December the 19th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Twelve days left in 2019. Today, on December 19, 1998, President Bill Clinton was impeached by the Republican-controlled House for perjury and obstruction of justice. He was subsequently acquitted by the Senate. Today in 1777, during the American Revolutionary War, General George Washington led his army of about about 11,000 men to Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. They spent the winter there. If you've read accounts of Valley Forge, you will know that that was one of the most um, pathetic situations, and yet the spirit of those men and the desire to fight for freedom in America was greater than the obstacles and the, the just the climate and all that they were dealing with there. In fact, one of the stories that I've read, historic stories of that era and that time, it said you could you knew where the 11,000 men who went to Valley Forge for the winter, you could tell where they had marched because you could follow the blood from their feet in the snow. A great price was paid for our freedom in America, and some people seem to dismiss it with a yawn and a nod. Today in 1950, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, he was named commander of the military forces of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. Today in 1974, Nelson Rockefeller was sworn in as the 41st Vice President of the United States in the U.S. Senate Chamber. President Gerald R. Ford was standing by looking on. Today in 2001, the fires that had burned beneath the ruins of the World Trade Center in New York City for the previous three months were declared extinguished, except for a few scattered hot spots. And today in 2003, two years later, design plans were unveiled for the signature skyscraper that would be 1,776 feet tall. It's a glass tower right on the site of the World Trade Center in New York City. That has now been built, as you know. Today in 2008, citing imminent danger to our national economy, President George W. Bush ordered an emergency bailout of the U.S. auto industry. And 10 years ago today, a U.N. climate conference in Copenhagen ended with a non-binding accord. They had hoped for much more. They wanted a binding accord which would bring successful nations to their knees and transfer wealth to third world nations. That's really what it was about. That's why Trump has backed away from all of these global climate conference agreements and pulled out of the Paris Accords. But anyway, they had spent two weeks, two weeks debating and frustration and the world is going to end within 10 years and so on. 
President Barack Obama flew in to broker a deal with all these nations, which wasn't a deal. It was just kind of an agreement, a loose agreement. Interestingly enough, on the day that he flew back, they talked about how how the globe was warming and temperatures were rising and sea levels were rising and all the beaches would be gone in a matter of, of, of a few years and so on. When Barack Obama flew home from the global warming event in Copenhagen, he flew into a almost paralyzing snowstorm that covered the whole, almost the whole eastern coast of the United States of America. I know weather happens and it isn't global warming anymore. It's climate change. Climate change can cover anything you want it to cover. It's a much broader scope. Boy, I don't know. Well, (laughs) the Democrats are worrying. They're worried that the current hopefuls, they have a, I think it's tonight, isn't it tonight? Yeah, somebody says yes, it's tonight. They have a debate tonight, the last one, uh, this year for sure, and I think it's the last one of this group because they'll go into the the primaries right after the first of the year, the caucuses and primaries. But some of the Democratic leaders are worried because they say out of the group that's running for president now, the group of nine or ten, whatever's left, seven, seven, eight, nine, ten, something like that, they say they don't think any of them can beat Trump next year. Speculation has arisen again. There's a group of people within the Democratic Party, not only in the culture in in, in the country today, that are saying that Michelle Obama is considering, while she is denying it and laughing about it, she and her husband, Brock, are planning for her to enter the race. I don't know that. I don't talk to the Obamas. But I will tell you that this is serious stuff. So Rasmussen, who is a very trusted polling company, it's one of several that I trust, they've been following this whole notion that what if Michelle Obama jumped in? Michelle Obama, on previous polls, has been a considerable favorite on the polling over Donald Trump. I mean, by a number of points. Well, Rasmussen took a, uh, a new poll on that right during this impeachment fiasco, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. The former first lady still has an advantage, but it is very, very narrow. What was 10 and 12 points, now Rasmussen found, and they just published this at 8.20 this morning, so that's less than an hour ago. They found that Obama edges Trump, Michelle Obama, edges Trump 48 to 45% among all likely U.S. voters. 7% don't know for sure who they would vote for, but the other 93% of probable voters, likely voters, are at 48 to 45, and Rasmussen says that is within the margin of error. In every category, President Trump is gaining in the, in the minds of people in America. It's, it's amazing how this is playing out, but that, that's what's happening. 
President Trump was impeached last night by a partisan, radical, far-left Democrat party. By all accounts, even the party themselves don't deny that it was partisan. Under the guise of holding hearings to learn the facts, the Democrats pulled off the scheme that was birthed before President Trump was inaugurated. And yet they presented it to the nation as though this was an accumulation of offenses and wrongdoing and all this stuff that the president had done. Yet before the president was hardly in his chair in the Oval Office, they had started the process of impeaching him. And from there, through this whole episode, there is nothing but double talk. There is nothing but misleading information, statements, lies. I mean, it's unbelievable. I have never been a politician. I've been a pastor, a minister my whole life. Youth pastor, (laughs) all of the things we do. But I followed politics very closely because I know politics is important. I never felt that Christians should not be involved in politics. I always felt that Christians should be involved in politics, more so than anyone else, because If we're going to be salt and light, if we're going to be an influence in the world, and then we say, well, I don't want to get involved in politics, boy, that's contradictory from the get-go, because Jesus said that you are salt and light. And if we're going to be salt and light, we better be involved in the process. And so I have had very strong feelings about that my entire life. And as a pastor, I spoke clearly and openly and without restraint from the pulpit as needed about the issues in the culture. And the church grew substantially. So people don't run away from pastors who speak to the issues of the day in the culture. I found that out on a personal level. But I don't know why people are sometimes so hesitant, Christians, to speak and to talk about the political climate in our country. Because it is it affects all of us. It is who we are in America. Not every country has that opportunity or responsibility. I've been in many countries in missionary travels and in the ministry of missions and so on, and they don't have to worry about getting involved in politics. They don't have the opportunity. They don't even get to vote. They get beat up if they pray out loud or something. But in America, it's different, and we do have a responsibility. So we must be, and we should be involved in this and having watched this closely from the time I was very young when we were in the church in North Hollywood I I was paying attention to Governor Ronald Reagan and some of the things he was saying and it it impacted it influenced my life that part of my life and through the years I've watched this and it 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 affects the spiritual life of America how politics goes I don't think politics should drive the church I think the church should drive politics and the church is silent too often And that's one of the problems that we have in America. If if the church doesn't speak for morality and truth, who will? So as I've observed, I've never seen anything like this. And I think people wiser and more exposed to these things than, than I are saying the same thing. It's absolutely amazing what these people are doing. Now there's a group of House Democrats led by Oregon's Representative Earl Blumenauer They're pushing Speaker Pelosi to withhold the articles of impeachment that was passed last night, which would potentially delay a Senate trial for months. And that, of course, is in the news 
today, this morning. It's trickery. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. I want to thank you, those of you who support this ministry. We couldn't be here without it. Thank you for the notes. You don't have to write a note, but I read them all. But thank you so much for standing with us. Not everybody agrees with what we're doing here, but those who do see the need to stand with us. And I would encourage you to consider it. If you're a new listener, we need your help. We do. Our sole support to meet our budget each month comes from our listeners. I get your notes. I read them. I read them all. This one says, Dear Gary, I've been listening to you for on the radio for almost a year now. I must say from my heart, you are a gift from God, for sure. Could I pause on that for a <laughs> and then And then this person says, Now don't get a big head. Laugh out loud. Trust me. There's all kinds of checks and balances that would keep me or anyone else who's saying what we're saying from getting a big head. There are plenty of voices to uh, take care of that. But they're joking. But anyway, people in the Christians, people, even Christians, are so blind and deaf sometimes that we, we don't know the truth in the culture they're talking about. So thank you and some more nice things, but thank you and so on. Gary, sending our prayers and wishes for a blessed Christmas to you and your family. We appreciate your program and the work that you do to provide a Christian view of the news, truth, in parentheses. Also enjoy this day in history. It's fun to see if we remember that part or any of that history. May the Lord continue to be with you and bless your program. The truth needs to be heard. Thank you so much, and thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. The road to impeachment of President Trump has been a long and winding road. It has been based on one thing, and that is that the left hates the president. Not just his policies, because there are others who hold his policies, but they don't perhaps advance those kinds of policies. Religious of freedom, freedom, religion of freedom, freedom of religion, and these kinds of things that we have seen Trump do as president. This is what has angered the left. Because a man who is clearly not a saint has championed the causes of the evangelical church. And that is at the core of the anger and the hatred and the commitment to impeach this man at any cost, whatever it takes. On November 8th, 2018, Molly Hemingway wrote for The Federalist. She's, the, I think, the editor of The Federalist. November 8th, 2018, a little over a year ago. She wrote in The Federalist that Judiciary Committee member, now he's chairman of that committee, but he was a member at the time, Representative Gerald Nadler, Democrat from New York, revealed plans for House Democrats to investigate and impeach Justice Brett Kavanaugh and to impeach Donald Trump. That was a year ago, last month. They wanted to impeach him for alleged treasonous collusion with Russia. Well, how did she know this? Nadler was riding on a train from New York to D.C. for a two-day planning session with his staff and his judiciary staff. While he was traveling, he was having these vigorous phone conversations, very open and unguarded. 
and unrestrained, really, with somebody else, a couple of different people. He was on his phone. A passenger was sitting close to him who overheard all of his comments, took notes, and heard some of the comments on the other end of the phone because they were laughing and talking so loud. Well, conversations involved several different people. But it was regarding how to remove Kavanaugh from the Supreme Court and Trump from the Oval Office, November of 2018. Some of the bullet points that were discussed in that conversation I've mentioned in an article that I wrote today at faithandfreedom.us. He discussed the possible presidential candidates for the 2020 election. He lamented, Nadler, that the economy was starting to thrive so much. He said this could cost Democrats cause Democrats to lose working-class people and their vote. (laughs) Don't want the economy to thrive. He discussed two ways or two paths to impeach both Justice Kavanaugh and President Trump. One way was to go after the FBI for how they had handled the investigation into Kavanaugh and unsubstantiated claims. He sexually assaulted women. You remember all that. The other plan or path that Nadler was talking about with these people on the phone was to go after, they, they wanted to be careful about going after Kavanaugh because there is a real indication that Kavanaugh committed perjury, so let's go after that. But we must be careful because if we bring up that and bring up Kavanaugh into hearings or a trial or something, he, this Nadler was saying, it could bring up the, the whole um, discussion about Clarence Thomas, whom Joe Biden tried to destroy, and Nadler is saying on the phone to this other guy, he's saying that would that would hurt Joe Biden's candidacy should he decide to run for president, which he has now done, of course. Nadler told his cohort on the phone that the push to impeach Trump would begin with holding him accountable. He said, we've got to use the word accountable. He said, we don't want to use the word impeach. He said, accountability is more palatable with the people, the little people like you and me, than impeachment initially. There's more, but I, I linked the story. How? Who was this person who overheard the conversation? It was Molly Hemming herself. He should have recognized her. She's well-known in Washington, D.C. and New York. She's well-known in conservative circles. She writes for the Federalist and other publications. She was sitting next to him, just like one seat away. She took notes the whole trip. He didn't even deny when she wrote her story in The Federalist. I have linked uh, to that story, and you can read the whole thing at our article this morning. On February 6, 2017, Time Magazine reported, quote, President Trump hasn't been in, in office a month, but Representative Maxine Waters, a Democrat from California, already thinks it's fair to consider impeachment. In an interview with Teen Vogue, the same day that Time ran this article, February 6, 2017, The same day, Maxine Waters had an interview with Teen Vogue. She outlined a bill that she had introduced to Congress calling for an investigation into the president's ties to Russia. She said if there are connections, he should be impeached. Later that same day, she posted a video on Twitter explaining how Democrats can truly combat the agenda of the Trump administration. And as I said earlier, it is the agenda. They don't like him personally. But they hate his agenda because for some reason, this man who is not a, not a Christian leader, clearly in, in his life and 
the way you know he's lived, but he has he has embraced our Christian agenda, a biblical agenda, and he has as president of the United States has honored it on every promise he made to evangelicals. That's why it's hard for me to even grasp how fellow evangelicals can vote for Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or whomever, Michelle Obama. These people stand for everything that we say we believe in, in regards to social issues, spiritual issues. They believe in killing unwanted babies. We believe in preserving life because we believe that God is a giver of life. We believe in the sanctity of life because God has sanctified it. He has created. We didn't evolve. God created man in his likeness and his image. God made male and female. They advance transgenderism. We're trying to say, no, God created male and female. I mean, there is a world of difference. How do you walk into a voting booth or take your ballot and sit down at your table at home and and vote for a far-left progressive? They believe in everything you claim not to believe in. Honest, I appeal to those of us who are evangelicals who walk out and vote for these people and put them in office. What are you thinking? Far-left radicals would have you to believe that the impeachment last night was an accumulation of failures and misdeeds on the part of Trump that led to his impeachment. It's actually the left's relentless pursuit of every angle imaginable to bring down a president with whom they disagree politically and principally and hate personally. As I said, there's a group of Democrat representatives now calling for Pelosi to hold the articles of impeachment in the House last night. And this morning she said, yeah, I'm going to sit on them for a while. Mitch McConnell, I've not been a huge fan of Mitch McConnell over the years. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I paid attention to what he does and says. He's a powerful man politically. Boy, he unleashed on her today. I was proud of it. Somebody needed to speak up. Washington Post was the first to report that a group of Democrats, I'm quoting them, is pushing Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other leaders to withhold the articles of impeachment against President Trump, potentially delaying a Senate trial for months. The Post said yesterday the notion of impeaching Trump by holding the articles in the House has gained traction among some of the political left as a way to potentially force Senate leader Mitch McConnell to conduct a trial on more favorable terms to the Democrats. In other words, They're extorting him. (laughs) They are, or trying to. Earl Blumenauer, a Democrat from Oregon, he said he's that funny-looking guy that wears a bow tie all the time. He says he's been talking to his colleagues. He, He said he has about 36 of them that are considering or are backing him. Blumenauer's legal advice is coming from a Harvard Law School professor. His name is Lawrence Tribe, like a tribe, Larry Tribe, who wrote in a recent Washington Post op-ed, he said, quote, The public has a right to observe a meaningful trial rather than simply learn that the result is a verdict of not guilty. He's talking about Mitch McConnell's comment. Mitch has said, hey, we're going to exonerate, acquit the president because there aren't even any charges in the impeachment. So this guy is now calling for a a meaningful trial in light of what his far-left, cohorts have done in a non-meaningful trial in the House. Sometimes I almost don't believe what I know to be true. I've never seen people so blatantly 
act this way in powerful positions. The Republicans last night were scoffing at the idea. This morning they've changed their tune a little bit and they're saying, now, wait a minute, (laughs) you can't do this. We'll see how this plays out. But personally, I don't think they can pull it out. I, I I think legally, I looked into this last night and I glanced at it this morning, It'll, it'll play out, and we'll talk more about this as we progress. But I don't think they can stop the the Senate from acquitting the president. I don't think they can do that, even if they sit on their articles, because there aren't even any charges in those two articles that they passed, the articles of impeachment. So I'm pretty sure, from what I've read, they can't do this. Ultimately, the Senate can have have their their hearing and their trial and do what they want to do and acquit because every every Republican backs the president because there's nothing there. I'm pretty sure there's there's Republicans in in the Senate that would vote and, and in the House that would vote against President Trump if they honestly thought he had committed some treasonous crime. I would if I were one of them, but he hasn't. I'll tell you, the impact of this infamous act of impeaching a president with no specific charges, it's going to have an impact on our country, on our communities, even on families. Over the holidays, there's going to be arguments over this. Yesterday afternoon was just an example. Representative Jerry Nadler, the guy on the train, who's now chairman of the committee, he accused Representative Louis Gohmert. Gohmert is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's a a Republican from Texas. And Nadler, from the chair, he was moderating the meeting. He accused Gomert, who's a committed Christian. He said, you're echoing Russian propaganda. Cut him off. Gomert was at his tipping point, as they say. He sarcastically said back with a fairly elevated voice. I won't say he shouted, but he almost shouted. He said back to the chair, you said it was about this terrible Russian collusion. When that fell through, it was about emollients. It's about bribery. It's about extortion. It's all changed. It's all fallen through. But one thing hasn't changed, Gomert told Nadler. He said, that's the intent to impeach this president. It's always been there. And he's exactly right. It's always been there. The division in this country is going to deepen and widen because this contest is not merely about politics. It's about a worldview. It's about a belief system. It's a secular, progressive worldview versus a biblical worldview. That's what it's about. It's being played out in politics. But it's not about politics. This miscarriage of justice and fairness has turned Washington, D.C. upside down. The most powerful capital in the world is standing on its head. Many who voted for Trump had hoped that Trump would blow up and restructure Washington, D.C., but perhaps not this way, but it's happened. There seems to be a general consensus among conservatives and evangelical Christians that this miscarriage of justice has already served to rally and galvanize the right, the conservatives, the Christians. I think it will more so. I think you're going to see a greater coming together and unity of conservatives and people of faith as we walk into and walk through 2020. Well, thank you for being with me today. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to spend a few moments with you. I had a little, um, I wanted to mention a cartoon that was pretty popular in the 80s and 90s. 
Gary Larson, you remember may remember him, the far side. I'll I'll, I'll share that with you tomorrow because I, I I didn't get to it today, but I want you to hear it. I'll see you tomorrow right here.